and welcome to episode 26. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host of The Connected Generation. The Connected Generation is a podcast for next-gen leaders in family businesses. This week we're talking about how can we win the game of leadership as a young next-gen. The awkwardness that is being a next-gen because Often, as a young leader, you may be placed in situations where you have to lead older subordinates. And these older subordinates may be old enough to be your parents. <laughs> and in the African setting, we place so much honor, respect, emphasis on, you know, for older people. It's deeply, deeply ingrained in our culture and I don't think we realize just how deeply um, reinforced this concept is. About 18 months ago our older son got angry at his younger brother. I think his younger brother snatched his toy or something. I can't remember the details but what I do remember was him then shouting I'm older of you. I'm older of you. I tell you what to do because I'm older of you. And I was stunned for two reasons. (laughs) The first being the incessant shelling. For those that are not Nigerians, to shell means to to drop some words that are not necessarily grammatically correct. (laughs) And the second reason why I was stunned was that how in the world does this four-year-old already grasp that our culture places such a premium on age. When I like to think that in our household, we don't really talk about older, younger, and all that, but clearly, implicitly, he had learned that being older requires greater levels of respect. And as a next-gen leader, somehow we're supposed to leave all this conditioning at the office gates as you're driving into the office. And somehow, as young leaders, we're supposed to get used to people calling us ma or sa, kneeling for us, prostrating for us, people that could be old enough to be your parents. When they're not direct reports, people that you directly manage and lead, it's easier to deal with, right? You can just brush off very awkwardly the praises, the prayers, and whatnot. But when they report to you, it all gets very tricky to navigate this complex relationship. How do you assert yourself? How do you reprimand them when they do things wrongly? When you yourself may be doubting your leadership competence, you may be quite unsure of yourself. This whole field is super awkward. And I just want to reassure that this is awkward, not because you necessarily lack boldness or that you lack confidence or that you lack competence, but because it's just muddy waters and these muddy waters that break all the social rules that we've been accustomed to. Most of us have seen authoritarian leadership modeled out to us. And that's all we know. 
in absence of inspiration for an alternative way of doing things through maybe experiences that can change our perspective. Obviously, we'll base our expectations based off our experiences. What I'm trying to say, essentially, (laughs) I will say it plainly, most founders in Africa run the family business in a very authoritative style. But for a host of reasons, this authoritative style is a terrible fit for most next gens. Why do I say that? If we think of leadership as a game, right, and in games, to be able to win a game, we have to be aware of both the implicit rules and the explicit rules. So for instance, in football, the objective of the game is to score the ball through the net, right? But the rule is you can't score the ball anyhow. You can't hold the ball, right? You must kick the ball, right? And you must obviously try not to do offside, whatever that means. (laughs) Um, In rugby, you know, the objective is to carry it and run and have all these other hefty men knock you down and physically violate you, but that's one of the day. And then you're supposed to win a try. In basketball, the objective is to score the ball through the hoop, not to kick the ball. You see my drift? So when we mix up the rules of these various games, we are bound to lose. Similarly, as next gens, we have to understand that we are playing a different game to the older generation. Their rules are different. It's strange, right? Because it feels like we are on the same pitch, seemingly, but really, we are not. Our game is different. In authoritative leadership, The leader has absolute authority, like in a pure monarchy, right? So the leader issues decrees and the followers implement. Simple, no question. Jump. How far? Sir, yes, sir. That's it, right? But in this same authoritative game, the rules of the game are that he or she that has the best knowledge is qualified to rule, and that's their source of authority, right? And often that is based on years of experience and or age. So this game has roots in the military, right? Based on that rule of he or she that has the best knowledge has the greatest authority, where we now have a young next-gen trying to lead older subordinates that, by definition, have way more work experience and are older, the next gen lacks legitimacy, according to the rules of this game. That's not to say that the next gen can never have legitimacy, just not according to the rules of this game. And in so many ways, age is against us. It's funny, right, with other isms, sexism, racism, it's very clear who the winners are and who the losers are, right? For instance, with 
Sexism, typically the men are the winners, the women are the losers. Racism, typically Caucasian people are the winners, people of colour are the losers, and so on and so forth. But with age, it becomes a bit blurry. So some will say that the elderly face discrimination. Older people in the late 50s, early 60s in the US will say there's a lot of age discrimination, they can't get good jobs. Whereas on the flip side, others will say the young face discrimination, right? But I can only speak from my experience and a lot of the next gens that I speak to and they face a similar discrimination against them as young people in Africa. I really think there's a concept of age privilege. You know, right now, when BLM, Black Lives Matter was really at the forefront, there was a huge conversation about white privilege. And it got me thinking that actually privilege doesn't come just from our race. There are other sources of privilege, our gender, our income status, our age, and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, when it comes to age, we're on the wrong side of that privilege in Africa anyway. But I, I really believe that we can still find legitimate ways to have credibility as leaders, just not under the authoritative game. We have a different game. I have this idea that family businesses need to morph from monarchies to democracies as we cross from Gen 1 to Gen 2. And the irony is actually when we look at history, most democratic countries today actually went through that evolution. They had history full of kings and queens I had close to absolute powers and then they, you know, transited to democracies because the people wanted to have greater control over power to collectively decide what worked for them and not to be told what that was, right? Similarly, I think our family businesses need to go through that evolution from monarchy to democracy. In a monarchy, the monarch has absolute or very high levels of power. In a monarchy, the monarch has the right to set the law. And they can set that law without deliberating with anybody else. Everyone just has to fall in line with that law. They have to submit and comply. The monarch can... Unfortunately, they can set the law to benefit themselves, not necessarily for the benefit of the wider country or the nation. They can be above the law. And that's not to say that all monarchs are bad or all monarchies are bad, right? Because monarchies can be set up in such a way to promote freedom and equality. But that's really at the discretion of the monarch. If we have an incompetent monarch, there's absolutely nothing that can be done by the people. Whereas on the flip side, in a democracy, we have values such as freedom and equality, right? Abraham Lincoln is quoted to have said, government of the people, for the people, by the people. 
So in a democracy, power is with the citizens who elect in tenured officials that serve us. All citizens are equal before the law and they have a say in the lawmaking process and they elect leaders in government, right? In a democracy, all citizens are equally subject to the law and they will be held accountable if they break the law. I appreciate that this is extremely simplistic and many people will be like, no, in my country, we're supposed to have a democracy, but it doesn't work like that. I know. It's just a simplistic analysis, right? To bring to life the distinction between that journey we need to be making as family businesses from Gen 1 to Gen 2. In moving from monarchy to democracy, we, as in our family businesses, we want to create an atmosphere of equality, of freedom, for all citizens, for all our stakeholders, right? We want our leadership to be of the people, for the people, and by the people. We want servant leaders. We want to have freedom of speech and freedom of aspiration. It's utopian, right? But I'm sure you understand where I'm going with this metaphor. And by moving into a democracy, a democratic family business, it might not be perfect, like most democracies that we know are not. They have their flaws. We may not get 100% participation by all the citizens. They don't all exercise their right to vote. Um, we still have isms pervasive in society, right? Um, but the point is, by moving towards a democracy in our family businesses, we are creating a collaborative environment where it's not just about the leader, it's not just about the monarch, it's really about the people. And the people are not just the staff, the stakeholders, but also um, the wider stakeholders, so customers, regulators, the family, the community, it's about all the people. It's only in a collaborative environment that we will hear other people's voices. It's only in a collaborative environment that we will have genuine patriotic citizens that care about the state of the nation, assuming that the democracy, the, the democracy is not corrupt. It's only in a collaborative environment that we will see collective responsibility for our nation. And so when we have co-created the vision with all the people, we all have benefits from this vision and we all have skin in the game. That's when we have true collaboration. And you can see how the rules are quite different here. Because in this game, as next gens, we can be collaborative leaders. And as collaborative leaders, we're able to win. Because here we lead by serving. We lead by example. 
we listen to and learn from subordinates as well as other stakeholders. We build trust and mutual respect. We're gaining authority, not by position, but by persuasion. And it is through this persuasive leadership style that we really inculcate buy-in. And that's another secret sauce that I will save for another episode on another day. (laughs) Thank you so much. I hope that was useful. And um, take good care and God bless you. Bye.